Listener questions time. Welcome aboard Sprout One. I'm your host, Dave Algio, Chief Sprout Sweater. Sit back and relax as your pilot and Chief Sprout Sweater answers a number of listener questions. And don't forget you too can share your feedback or ask questions of me by emailing me at dave at sproutsweater.com. And as we lift off the pad and before you get into the episode, don't forget, if you find that the demands of life and the meaning of it all is leading you to sleepless nights, tossing and turning with deep and not so deep questions rattling around your head, then hop on over to thesproutsweater.com to gain access to my free Operation Snooze Sleep Improvement Audio Program. Start getting your head back and your shit together so that you can start getting life back on your terms. Sproutsweater.com it's episode 23 already. <sighs> Not sure where the time has gone, but I do want to firstly take time to thank you for listening. And whether you're a new or a regular listener, I do appreciate you for considering my Sprout Savvy as worthy of your time. And on that note, I do have a number of questions from listeners. This is great. This is me. This lets me know I'm in a, I've got a real podcast. This like, um, no, but I, I'll, uh, I've got a number of questions, which I'll uh, seek to address to, and answer here. Uh, I won't use their real names because I don't have their specific permission to use their names and where they're from, um, but I will address the questions. So, question one from Robin Warrington. Dave, I get the sprout-sized habits approach, but in one podcast you mentioned or seemed to mention you weren't a fan of massive action. What's wrong with that? Surely if we want to achieve something big, we need to think big and go big. Yeah, yeah, right, okay. Firstly, yes, I agree, but I also disagree, so I'll come on to that. And I guess the first thing is, I don't recall saying I wasn't a fan of massive action. I might have been cautious about it or a bit cynical of it in the sense of, I think it's often used a lot, this, you know, you've got to take big action to achieve big goals and dreams. I think it's used a lot in self-development and, um, you know, positive thinking and that kind of thing. And I think we can miss the boat or miss the truth that we need to address the foundations underneath. So for me, I'm not against massive action. Um, I've done big things in my life, cycle lands into John O'Groats, um, agreed to do it, granted when I'd had a few beers and my mate of mine, Stu, suggested we do it. Made sense at the time, didn't know what I was taking on. It was massive action, probably didn't appreciate just how massive it was when I took it on, but I'm proud of it and pleased I did it. Having said that, what is what was the massive action in the cause of? Now, at the time, in my head, in my perverse kind of way, I thought, well, that'd be a great way to lose weight, won't it? The savage entertainment, isn't it, to do it that way? But this is where, I guess, sometimes we can be seduced or blinded by the attraction of massive action and perhaps not figure out how it fits into not just the goal we're trying to achieve, but also the ecology of our life. And also, what are you taking the massive action on? What foundation are you building that on? I'm also not against having big goals and big dreams. I have them myself for my business and for my life. I have big ambitions and dreams. That's not to say that I'm not happy now, which is the other aspect of having big dreams, is sometimes we can have those big dreams in in and forget that our life right here, right now is happening. 
and we need to enjoy and appreciate what's happening now. You know, that old cliche of enjoy the journey, not just the destination. But I do have big goals and big dreams. And yes, there are big things I need to do in the process. But those big things, firstly, need to be broken down into smaller bite-sized chunks, sprout-sized chunks. You know, I remember on the Land's End John O'Groat ride that the only way to get that 70 miles in that day was to break it down so that my head could handle it into 10 miles. Let's just get the next 10 miles. And at one point when I had a leg injury, it was, let's just get to the next mile. Let's get over that hill. Let's get the next white line, the next white line after that. Let's just move forward step by step. And by sweating those sprout-sized chunks, I achieved... For me personally and stewarded, and many others do who have done this, achieve that massive goal or that massive action. So irrespective of whether we're, you know, undertaking massive action or not, we still have to, I would argue, break it down into sprout-sized chunks. And I'll hark back to last week's episode where I talk about the old burning the bridges, jumping off and building your wings on the way down, which is a phrase I hate, I have come to detest. Because actually It's not about the action you take. It's about what you do before that action. How do you break it down? How do you weigh it up in the big picture of what you're trying to achieve? Does it actually move you in that direction? But how does it, what foundation does it sit on? What are your day-to-day routines and habits? And for me, for that Land's End, John O'Groats, just as an example, I didn't have, I wasn't a cyclist. um, And I certainly wasn't in any regular or routine healthy habits of fitness or anything. This was back in 2010, if I remember rightly. And, you know, my life life was pretty chaotic at the time. So I had this massive action and then nothing else. So it's about, this is where I really believe that before you think about massive action, and yes, massive action can coalesce good habits together, but before you think about that, what is it, how does it fit into your life? What are the foundation habits, the sprouts that you were doing day to day that are that will form the basis of you springboarding into that massive action so that when the, you complete the massive action, you go back to or you resume or you have those habits that will continue forward because that's how you sustain forward prog- progress. Massive action, I was knackered after that two weeks. I had a leg injury, took me a while getting back into it. it took me actually a good six months to even think about getting back to it. And yes, I could have got back to something before if it had the sprout size mentality at that point. But massive action is a big burn and it can potentially burn you out. So I'm not against it per se. I just want you to think about, well, what's the actions and the foundation of that? Many times, and this is for me personally, but also one or two people that I coach, I come across this this need to do that, whether it's to lose a big amount of weight, you know, somebody who's who's got a lot of weight to lose potentially. And, you know, I, I think actually that's one of the questions I'll come to actually. Um, but um, got a lot of weight to lose and is driven by just getting it done. But in just getting it done, it's almost like a, a jump off and build your wings on the way, way down idea. We don't look at the high, the, the habits that have got us there the habits that we need to introduce to reverse that or to negate the things we need to stop doing. So that's my take on it. I'm not against big action by a long shot and I'm not against big dreams and goals. For me, it's about looking at it from the the the, the longer perspective that a number of all or nothing attempts will get me so far and probably end up winding back. Consistent sprout-sized actions day to day will move me forward far more consistently and it's effectively going slow to go quick. So I hope that answers the question, Rob. I hope I've convinced you of that. 
Um, okay, so let's have a look. Uh, question two. Um, this is from Linda from the Northwest. I- I'm finding myself struggling with anxiety and depression, or at least I think it's that because I haven't done anything about it. And I think it's down to me being unhappy in my work. Where do I start getting myself back on track? Okay, okay. Well, Linda, thanks for sharing. And just just for our listeners, um, I have already replied to Linda outside of this. I haven't waited to air this on the podcast for the advice um, because uh, this is this is particularly important. I think I just want to share this because I think it is an important point to make. If you are feeling that you know life is not where you want it to be, that is one thing that perhaps you can work on. You know, in some of the episodes we've talked about. But if you are experiencing what you or you think or you even suspect things like anxiety, depression, or you're struggling with your mental health and well-being, then prioritize that. Get some professional help. See your doctor. Access, if you are working for an organization where they have an employee assistance program, access those, the support that's often there, the, the confidential helpline that can triage you into counseling. Don't mess about with this. Because I often think about, I use the example of a, a motor vehicle. My car, it's a bog standard little Vauxhall mocker. And yet I cannot do a thing with it. It's far too complicated for me. I used to be able to chain spark plugs on some of the old, you know, me told with Sunbeam was my first car that I ever had. Now, not so. And if it's not quite running right, I'm only going to make things worse by pottering on with it or just plowing on. What I need to do is take that vehicle into a garage and get it looked at by somebody who knows what they're doing. And when it comes to things like our mental health, just like if you broke your leg, you wouldn't want to keep carrying on, pressing on with that, would you? Your mental health, we don't mess about. We get that support. We help. We take it into the, the mind garage, for want of a better phrase. Because the brain is far more complex than any piece of machinery that we've invented. And yet, how often do we try to struggle on with it? And it's understandable because there is a bit of a stigma. We often drive ourselves rather cruelly to just... Put it to one side. Pull yourself together. Sort yourself out. And we're pretty cruel to ourselves at times. Now, I don't know if this is the case with Linda, but I'm kind of just generally wanting to highlight that if along with this sense of being unsettled with your life come these other things, we need to get them sorted. We need to get them supported and worked on. doesn't necessarily mean that you can't then engage in perhaps some coaching to support the direction of your life or to work on that. That could definitely help, potentially. But at the same time, we also need to be in the right frame of mind and the right place to be able to engage in that work. Because if we're making decisions that might impact on the ecology of our life, we need to know that we're in, our head is in the right place. So what I would say is the first thing, where do you start in answer to that question? Where do I start getting myself back on track? Get some help with that. And actually what you find is the right kind of approach, CBT, um, counselling approach, can be really useful in not only helping support with the anxiety and depression, the GP might uh, prescribe some medication to support that, whatever. The, the, often the counselling and the therapy can actually tap you into some practical things you can do around the ecology of your life as well. So I hope that helps. Um, anybody else who's f- sort of find themselves in that position, that's well worth thinking about and prioritising. So the third question, and I don't actually have the name of this one, so apologies for this. Anonymous, should we say. Um, I'm struggling to find my one thing to focus on doing. I know that the work I'm doing is not right for me, and it's just a grind. And where do I start in identifying what I can do instead? Instead, I'm in my late 30s and just realising I've qualified as a professional lawyer, worked hard in my career, only to find it isn't for me anymore. I'm not sure it ever was. <sighs> right. Oh, I resonate with that. Now, what I would say, Anonymous... Apologies, I can't find uh, can't find your name. I want to interrupt the recording to do that. Um, 
I get it. I get. I think this is something that can happen when we reach a certain point in our life. Now, it's the so-called midlife crisis that I've talked about in previous episodes. It can happen at any time in life, but often what can happen is we, we get to a point where we suddenly stop and go, I'm working my backside off here. What for? Is this it? Is this what I'm working for? I don't actually enjoy what I'm doing. And I think that can be a really, really disorientating place. First thing is, don't do anything rash. Don't burn bridges. Don't jump off that cliff and build your wings on the way down like I was talking about last week's episode. Just take a pause. Take a step away and give yourself some thinking time. Because it may not be as simple as you've chosen the wrong career and you're doing the wrong thing. It may be that you've lost your love on the way and can't quite tap back into it. And maybe there were reasons why you you embarked on this career. Now, again, if you embarked on this career because you thought, well, my family said I had to, or, you know, it's expected of me, or I didn't know what else to do, then that's, it's well worth looking at your underlying motivations of what would you like to do? And what did you want to do when you were a kid? What were the TV programs, for example, that you used to like watching? You know, what really grabbed your attention? What did you dream about doing? Those can be useful things to start thinking about. But often what we can find is within our career path, it isn't all or nothing. <laughs> it isn't that we just hate it and we've made a wrong decision at one point and that's it. Often there are lots of things we can still find fulfilling and meaningful or enjoyable about the work we do. Or with some changes within the career path, we may be able to find some enjoyment. And um, I know one of the things that I found when I uh, I left the police, as I, I think I talked about in last week's episode, The Cautionary Tale... Um, I left the police to run my business, desperate to leave, didn't want to do it, you know, didn't want to do it anymore, bimbled into the job in the first place. Um, it was never for me. And then I had to go back and I really didn't want to go back. And one of the things that helped me was when I went back, I thought, right, I may not be doing what I want, but I am going to be who I want to be. I'm going to be the person I will I was intending and aiming to be in my business and in other areas of my life. Because one of the things that we can often do is postpone the being and having of things because we're not doing the right things or do it. we don't believe we're doing the right thing. I'll do that when. I'll be that person when. I'll enjoy this. I'll, we postpone our happiness, our fulfillment to a future time. And one of the things that I found, whilst I was still, you know, it was never the career that I was going to give up my business for. When I went back, I started to find the aspects of it that were fulfilling that were meaningful and I started to try to be the person that I was trying to be in my business so I would be the coach I would be the support I would be the motivator I would be um, what I felt was a good communicator and effective decision maker that kind of thing and I found elements of the job that I enjoyed and that I found fulfilling now it was not something that I would say I would then work to retirement for and I certainly didn't because I'm now in my business but I think it's about looking at the aspects of your work. What is it that you, what qualities can you bring to it that you enjoy? What are the values that are important to you? What skills do you have that you can bring to it? And how can you develop your craft in that way? Because as you develop your craft in the the skills that you want to, to bring to bear in it, you can find a lot of fulfillment. Now, I'm not saying that that means that you are happy as a lawyer for the rest of your profession, um, but it may be something that helps you, A, buy your time so you can allow yourself to think, 
but B, it might actually help you fall back in love or make some decisions about what you want to focus on. Because obviously I don't know the organisation you're in. It may just help you focus on specialising or moving to a different kind of legal work. Because I know being married to uh, a lawyer that there are other disciplines and, and aspects within that. So it's about looking at, around that. But at the same time, if it is, this isn't for me and I do want to look elsewhere it's about not jumping or doing anything rash i've had my fingers burnt with that and i would always caution people not to do that but it is also about then starting to look give yourself permission to think that to firstly have hope there are other things there is more to life than this it's just a question of what you choose to do look at what you definitely don't want to do what is it about the current work that you do that you do not want to do if you were to move into something else whether it's other work um, or setting up a business, for example. What are the things you do want to do? Because I often think about a, a wide corridor. The corridor is wide with all the things you can do. But if you narrow it down, if you ditch the things you definitely don't want to do and don't like doing, don't want to do, you start to reduce the, the width of the corridor and therefore the choices that you could have in front of you. And actually reducing the amount of choices could be a good thing because you can often get stressed and overwhelmed by the amount of choice. So you reduce down and you end up focusing on uh, less things, but things that you know that you would enjoy or you would like to try out and then go play, have adventures, have fun, take a course, learn a bit, network, meet new people, meet people too, talk to people, get to know people and ex have experiences in those areas that you do want to focus on and develop and even maybe set up a little side hustle, a side business where you can tinker on with that and develop and see what happens. See what happens and see how the adventure unfolds. So I don't know if that helps, but hopefully that's um, that's it for a good one for now. Um, I've got a question for, I appreciate we're running a little bit long, but I, this is this is my fourth question and last one for this episode. Um, and this is from Jeff from um, Gateshead, local. Um, I'm liking the idea of sprout size changes, but I'm desperate to lose weight and get fitter and it feels like introducing a small habit is just pointless. I get the logic, but I don't feel it would make a difference and therefore I end up not sticking with them. Right, I get I get this. And I, I get this in, and I think I've probably addressed it a little bit, but not as articulately as I am hoping to now in the previous episodes. That is one of the key things about sprout. That That's the difference between all or nothing and sprout size habit. All or nothing is, oh, it's, it, you can see, you can see results. It's motivational. I can see it. And sometimes you get results that keep you going for a while. And that's why it can be so appealing. And the sprout size changes can be so insignificant or appear so insignificant. You think, well, what's the point of even doing it? And one of the things that I've found, I think, firstly, um, uh, Doohig, um, what's he called from the, the tiny habits? Or BJ Fogg, Doohig, that's the other habit book. BJ Fogg talks about in the habits is don't just set one, do three habits. So you've got a bit more to go at. Then have an idea of what you want the habit to build into and have stages. So for me, for example, the, the, the burpees, the 60 burpees a day. Okay. I did the 60 burpees a day from day one. But if you were doing something like, I want to just get, I want to build my fitness up. So I want to be able to do 50 press ups, right? Have that in mind as your goal, but have an interim goal, have things that you're working towards and then start small. Don't rush to build up, but build up consistently in a way that you can see the progress. I think I mentioned in one of the previous episodes about being able to run up the stairs and just noticing that I was, I bounced up those stairs. Notice the little incremental 
wins. And this is one of the things that BJ Fox talks about in the Tiny Habits is celebrate completion of the habit. So it can feel insignificant. And I think there's a point where you rehearse it and you've just got to do it. But have have a period of time where you say, I'm going to do it for this long and then I'll add to it and I'll add to it. So you've got the motivation of increasing it. You've also got the the on the lookout for the little wins, the little things that you notice happen, but celebrate each and every time. And this might sound a bit frivolous, but actually what BJ Fogg says in the research is that celebrating it, you know, with a little like fist pump or a yes, that kind of thing, really embeds that you enjoy the habit for its own sake. And it really is gives you a sense of reward, you know, that reward hit um, for actually doing the habit. So the habit may feel ins- less significant, but in itself, it's still a pleasant and enjoyable habit because of the reward. So we're trying to combine a few different things. Firstly, you have to just rationalize. Yes, it's smaller. Yes, it might take a little bit longer, but in the long run, we're going slower to get faster, kind of convincing yourself of that. Then having a pathway so that that habit, you can see how it's gonna grow. You can see how it can go from one half press-up to two half press-ups to two full press-ups to five, you know, and build up and celebrate each time. Notice the small wins. When you get that result of, I've achieved the five press-ups, get in. Each time you try or you do it, you've done it, celebrate it. That combination can really help. There is no easy answer, Jeff, I guess. But the point is, do, you know, if you, I often say, do whatever you want to do in the other things, but make sure you do at least two or three of their small habits anyway. Stick to those. And if you're doing all or nothing because you feel as if you have to, go for it. But if it falls by the wayside, you've still got those small sprout size habits running alongside. So I hope that helps. And I hope those questions have been useful for those of you who didn't send them in. If you want to send in questions, please do. Dave at SproutSweater.com. Be great to uh, hear from you. And uh, I look forward to next week's episode. So as our craft the sprout one begins the landing process, allowing you to return to your fellow humans. Consider this. If you do have a question that is perhaps getting in the way of you making some changes or taking action, then don't let it get in the way anymore. Let that sprout size question be the starting point, the jumping off point to change. And if you need an answer, and if you can't find the answer, send it to me, dave at sproutsweater.com. Take care for now. I hope you've enjoyed your flight aboard Sprout One. For show notes and information on how to get the podcast feed direct to your Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or other favorite podcast feed, visit SproutSweater.com. And touchdown. Touchdown.